Good morning. Good to see you all here today. If you have a Bible, turn to Colossians. And if you're grabbing a pew Bible, turn to page 621. Colossians in the New Testament. It's a small book, but it's an important one. And we're going to be parking the next three months in this book as a church family. Colossians chapter 3, or excuse me, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, and and would you stand with me as I read from Colossians 1? Let's all stand together. Colossians 1, we're going to read 1 to 8 this morning. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. So so you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would turn our eyes wide open to the wonder and beauty of this special book, that you would, by your Spirit, show us things in this book that we've maybe never seen before. Some of us reading it for the first time, others for the tenth time. But yet, God, there's always something new to grasp. So would you guide us as we begin uh, this study of this great book of the New Testament. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. My wife and I, uh, we love mockumentaries. Anybody know what a mockumentary is? Raise your hand. All right, a few of you do. A mockumentary is essentially, let me grab my, my... Props here. I'm going to be getting quite a few props today, actually. A mockumentary is essentially a, uh, you know, a, a dra- dramatization where the actors who get up on stage really don't know what's going to happen. It, it really, what happens is the, the director or the narrator starts narrating or starts directing what they generally are supposed to do, and it's up to the actors to kind of act it out. Well, because I love mockumentaries so much, and because I had absolutely no idea how to start this series in Colossians, I thought, hey, why not let you guys start the series in Colossians? Does that sound good? Oh, come on now. Does that sound good? 
So here's what I need. I need some volunteers. I need more guys than gals. Sorry, ladies, but I still need some ladies. So what I want you to do is raise your hand. If you're brave enough, if you're courageous enough, I need nine people. I need seven guys and two gals. Oh, I already got a gal. Cassie, come on up. John, come on up. All right, another John, come on up. Ty, come on up. Come on down, guys. Come on down. I'm going to start giving you roles here. Where's, uh, let's see, w Will Fraker, I want you, buddy. Come on down. Go ahead and have a seat right over here, right over here. I'm going to start handing out some rolls, okay? Will, here, Will, I want you to be this guy right here. Here you go, Will. I want you to take a piece of tape and stick that on you, too, and give everybody else a piece of tape, too, all right? All right, so let's see. We need, uh, how many more guys? A few more guys and gals. Come on now. Raise your hands. Scott Eichler, come on up. Come on up. Front row, Scott. One more girl, one more lady. Scott cannot play a lady. Somebody else. Come on now. Tori, you want to be one of my ladies? Come on, Tori. Come on, Tori. I want another trek, another trekster. Anybody? Any, any, any treksters out there? All right. Here, I'm going to give you one of these. All right. Pa pass the tape around. Everybody grab a piece of tape. Put that on, put that on, your, on, on the front there, all right? Oh, let me pass out a few more uh, items here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see here, you're uh, going to be, uh, there you go, Dr. Paulson there, uh, let's see, uh, inner crowd, yeah, that's you, uh, let's see, wait, I need, where is he? Come on, Justin, you want to go for it? Come on, Justin, come on, Justin, get on up here, no, you're going to, Doug, I, I need Doug, come on, Doug, get on up here, Doug, come on, guys, Doug needs some prodding, give, give him a little prodding here, all right? Here you go, Doug. You hand that to Doug. All right, we almost got everything set up here. Just give me another minute. Almost got all the rules passed out. Okay, okay. Who's got size 11 shoe? 10 shoe. And I need, uh, I need one more guy. Who wants to be Archie? Tom, come on up, Tom. You're Archie, buddy. Get over here. All right, Tom. All right. Okay, my, my actors, please, up on stage. Please, come on up on stage here for a minute. Let's give them a hand. Let's give them a big hand. Now, we, we're not quite done with the props yet. Everybody kind of line up. Let them see you. Let them see you out there. We're not quite done with the props yet. We just have a few more props to go. And try to, try to group together. So inner crowd, I want you... Inner crowd, can you get together, inner crowd? Now, uh, let's see, Dr. Paulson, Dr. Paulson, please step forward. Since you're a doctor, you need like a professor, uh, professor's type uh, jacket there, all right? So there's Dr. Paulson, Have, uh, you can go, go on back. Oh, Dr. Paulson, sorry, you also need, uh, need some pen and, and paper. And uh, so get ready for that, Dr. Paulson. There we go. You're the professor there. And uh, let's see here. Uh, 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 the inner crowd, the inner crowd, yes. You guys, you know, you guys are the, anytime there's a crowd, you're the crowd, but you're also the cool kids. So I've got these great sunglasses for you. So here you go, Scott and uh, Cassie and Tori. Put on your sunglasses here when you're the cool kids. You did get girl sunglasses, yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, who's my size 11 shoe? John, you need, you, you're going to be a runner, so you need to change shoes. We've got some running shoes for you. They're real clean. They're real clean. Don't worry. I've uh, only been running in those for about three years. 
And uh, let's see here. What else? We've got, oh, we, we've got a couple Bibles here. All right. Uh, Chaplain Tyler, you're just Mr. Bible Man. You've you got all sorts of Bibles on you, okay? All right. Couple final, uh, couple final props. Uh, Mr. Phillips, Mr. Phillips, step forward. Mr. Phillips, you're you're like the cool cat. All right, Mr. Phillips, you're a, a businessman, and uh, you just, man, you are. Woo, you're the cat's meow, buddy. And uh, let's see. Oh, I forgot. Let's see. Archie, you're good. Ellis, you're good. Don't worry. Chaplain Tyler, there's one more uh, item that I forgot to give you, Chaplain Tyler. This is uh, very important. Um, so, uh, so Chaplain Tyler, I wanted you to... Uh, to could you put that uh, on your head, Chaplain Tyler? Here. Right there. There you go, Chaplain Tyler. All right, we're all set. You guys ready? You guys ready? All right, here we go. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrate this. Here's what I want you folks to do. This is all you got to do. All right? We're narrating, look behind me there, the Lycus Valley Community Church. The Lycus Valley Community Church. This is a church, story about a church. And uh, these folks up here, starring, okay, we've got all the, all the folks that are starring in this production. We've got Ellis and Archie. Wave your hands, Ellis and Archie. Give them a hand, give them a hand. We've got Mr. Phillips. Mr. Phillips, you're supposed to give inner crowd the glasses. You don't need glasses yet, Mr. Phillips. Chaplain Tyler, raise your hand. Chaplain Tyler, here we go. We got Owen the runner. And we got the inner crowd. Where's the inner crowd? There they are, the cool kids. So here's what I want you guys to do. Go ahead, halfy over here, halfy over there. Just go ahead and have a seat on the pew, on the, on the steps here. And inner crowd, you can kind of stay together in the middle there. Now, this is a mockumentary. So when I call your group, you're going to stand up and start acting. All right, so be ready. Yeah, you might only have a few lines. You might only have a few spots. So you've got to be up and down real fast. But we're going to tell the story of the Lycus Valley Community Church. So let's get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you about Lycus Valley Community Church. LVCC, as it's known, is a relatively new church founded about five years ago. Two men started the church, Ellis and Archie. Ellis and Archie were actually brand new Christians at the time the church began. Ellis and Archie grew up in the Lycus Valley, and they were best of friends. They did everything together. They hung out all day long. This is unscripted, folks. <laughs> the church was located about 100 miles inland from the coast. It was a nice enough town, though it had seen better days. Years before their time, Lycus Valley was a thriving community with a great outlet mall, kind of like the one at Cabazon on the way to Palm Springs. Prices were kept low in the clothing stores, because Lycus Valley had their own wool and clothing factories. So you could buy direct from the manufacturer. Now Archie's dad was Mr. Phillips. Mr. Phillips was the owner. He was the owner of one of the biggest factories in town. He had a big house, lots of money, 
and was a man of great influence in the community. But the problem, the problem with Mr. Phillips is that he worked his employees to death. (laughs) Mr. Phillips was nicknamed the slave driver. No one, no one dared cross Mr. Phillips. You can have a seat, Mr. Phillips. Ellis and Archie knew that they wanted no part of the factory business. So after high school, they decided to go to college. And they chose a great school right on the beach, a hundred miles away from home. Lots of sunshine, lots of ladies. It was perfect. <laughs> but unbeknownst to the young men was the fact that God was guiding their every step. It was at college that Ellis and Archie both prayed to receive Jesus. They met a man named Dr. Paulson. Dr. Paulson told Ellis and Archie about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Within days of meeting Dr. Paulson, Ellis and Archie believed and became Christians at the ripe old age of 21. While Dr. Paulson taught in the academy, he also considered himself first and foremost to be a teacher in the church. And so naturally, Dr. Paulson invited Ellis and Archie to join him at church the next Sunday. Ellis and Archie had never been to church before, and they were excited to attend. And they would remain at Dr. Paulson's church for the next three years. Most of the time, Dr. Paulson would give the sermons. Other times, one of his protégés would give the sermon, like Chaplain Tyler. Stand on up, Chaplain Tyler. Chaplain Tyler Tyler was also a very well-respected member of the church. And... Dr. Paulson and Chaplain Tyler knew that there was something special about Ellis and Archie. And so they gave them copies of God's Word. Because these young, two young men also wanted to follow in their footsteps. The two young men soaked up for many years the teaching of Dr. Paulson and Chaplain Tyler. They learned about the Scriptures They learned about God. They learned about the greatness of Jesus Christ. It was three years of incredible growth. All the while, the young men were also starting to tell others about Jesus. Paulson and and Tyler, you may have a seat. As Ellis and Archie would return home on break, they would meet crowds of people. Crowds of people would gather around them. And Ellis and Archie would go before the crowds and explain to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. These crowds of of people would inquire and ask questions. And they learned so much about the gospel. And many of them believed. Even Mr. Phillips, Mr. Phillips, stand back up. Even Mr. Phillips was impressed. Mr. Phillips was so impressed with his son's transformation that even Mr. Phillips prayed to receive Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he slowly, and I mean slowly, began to change. Well, for one thing, Mr. Phillips stopped hoarding all his money. In fact, Mr. Phillips started to open up his home on Sunday mornings so that his son, Ella, uh, uh, so that his son and Ellis could preach to the community. These were the very beginning days of Lycus Valley Community Church. The church was excited. 
They were rejoicing as an early young group of Christians. Really rejoicing. It was a time of great excitement and growth. Ellis and Archie would trade off. One would preach one day. And the other would preach the next Sunday. Talking about Jesus, of salvation, and many people were coming to faith. But there were a few setbacks too. Mr. Phillips was always unpredictable. His job on Sunday was to make sure that there were enough seats for everyone. But he didn't want folks to be too comfortable. So he put a sign up. He, he made a sign and he nailed a sign to the door frame of his house as people would leave. It read, quote, Now that you've heard the gospel, get back to work. <laughs> Apparently, Mr. Phillips, his sanctification process was taking a little longer than others. His employees still called him the slave driver. And he did have some outbursts from time to time. Take, for instance, the time when young Owen was working for Mr. Phillips. Young Owen was in the factory one day, <laughs> slaving away, working hard for Mr. Phillips, creating clothes, not running yet. <laughs> one day, Owen was so frustrated by his work and by how much Mr. Phillips was riding his tail that Owen started to complain. He started to complain about his long hours and his low pay. When Mr. Phillips heard word of his disgruntled employee, he got hopping mad. He stormed out of his office, down the stairs, and then back up the stairs so that he could confront Owen. But Owen took off running. He was running. Run, Owen, run. He was so afraid of Mr. Phillips, Owen stayed far away from Lycus Valley after that. Needless to say, Ellis and Archie had to lovingly remind Mr. Phillips that being a Christian, how a Christian is rightly supposed to act. But there were other problems besides Mr. Phillips. Mr. Phillips, you can have a seat. There was one noticeable problem with how young Ellis and Archie were. Here they were, in their mid-twenties, dashing young men, no doubt, but uh, a little too young, perhaps, to lead a church. And it felt a bit odd, especially when many others in the crowd were much, much older than them. <laughs> sure enough, some cliques started to form. There was one group in particular. They called themselves the Inner Crowd, or the IC for short. The IC was a group of older, and in their own eyes, a much wiser group of people who had recently joined the church. As the church grew, the IC started to question Ellis and Archie's teaching. They sat toward the back, sometimes grinning, or snickering whenever they disagreed with the teaching. And they were beginning to have influence over others in the church too. In time, they started their own private gathering that involved some unusual teaching and group activities. Ellis and Archie could tell. 
<laughs> Highly unusual activities. Ellis and Archie could tell that a division was forming. Not knowing quite what to do, they decided that one of them was going to go back and find Dr. Paulson for help. After praying about it, they decided that Archie would remain at Lycus Valley and that Ellis would head west to find Dr. Paulson. The crowd, you may sit down. And Dr. Paulson, why don't you head over to the corner? Stay, hang tight, Ellis. Hang tight for just a second. Thank you, crowd. On his journey westward, Ellis was shocked when he ran into Owen, of all people. Owen. The young man who had run away from Mr. Phillips. At first, Owen thought Ellis was going to be mad at him. He thought Ellis was going to shun him for betraying Mr. Phillips. Instead, Ellis reached out in love to Owen and befriended him. Owen was broke and he was tired. And Ellis decided to take Owen with him on his journey to find Dr. Paulson again. Owen couldn't believe how kind Ellis was. When Ellis and Owen arrived at Dr. Paulson's church, they didn't find him. <laughs> Not yet. The church members told them that Dr. Paulson had been arrested for preaching the gospel. They said that Chap Chaplain Tyler was also with Dr. Paulson, way to the west. Get your hat, Chaplain Tyler. Chaplain Tyler was also there with Dr. Paulson, giving encouragement to him in jail. Ellis could not believe the news, but he knew he just had to see Dr. Paulson. So they continued down the road toward the prison, Owen and Ellis both, and they finally found Dr. Paulson and Chaplain Tyler, and they asked them what had happened. Dr. Paulson simply reminded Ellis that the enemy is hard at work. Dr. Paulson spoke to Ellis and Owen, telling them that the enemy, Satan, was trying to stifle the message of Jesus. But Dr. Paulson wasn't just interested in talking about himself. He also wanted to meet Owen, and Ellis introduced them. He wanted to hear about how Ellis and Archie were doing. And over the next few days, Ellis and Owen would visit Dr. Paulson in prison and talk about life, about the church, about Owen's unfortunate incident with Mr. Phillips as well. Through it all, Dr. Paulson had some remarkable wisdom. The men were floored with how much they learned from him. <laughs> floored. Sure enough, Owen became a Christian. And Dr. Paulson even wrote a letter he took out a piece of paper and wrote a letter on Owen's behalf to send to Mr. Phillips, urging them to reconcile with one another and to show a little more grace and leniency to his workers. And Dr. Paulson also gave a letter to Ellis, a letter with instructions and encouragement for the people of Lycus Valley Community Church. In it, Dr. Paulson spoke directly to the church members, reminding them to hold fast to Jesus alone, to avoid forming cliques, 
and inner crowds that betray the simplicity of the gospel message and the role of the church. Dr. Paulson even included high praise for Ellis and Archie, urging the church members to heed these young men as leaders of the church. Ellis and Owen were deeply grateful for the letters that Dr. Paulson wrote. After a few more days, Owen Owen was just itching to go on home again. But Ellis wanted to spend a little bit more time with Dr. Paulson first. Everyone knew that Owen could not go home alone. Who knows what Mr. Phillips would do to him? His temper and all. And so it was decided that Owen would go back to Lycus Valley with Chaplain Tyler. Together, they would deliver the letter to Mr. Phillips and the letter to the people of Lycus Valley Community Church. The men did not know what would happen. Would Mr. Phillips receive Owen back with open arms? Would the people of Lycus Valley Community Church be encouraged to hold fast to Christ alone? Or would the people of the inner crowd change their hearts and minds? Or would they continue to go astray? With many questions and only God to depend on, the men prayed one last time and parted ways. You say, Pastor Neil, what in the world was that? Lycus Valley Community Church is a real church. Only it's not known as Lycus Valley Community Church. It's known as the church in Colossae in the first century A.D. You see, the church that was started in first century Colossae was started in a way that was very similar to what you just witnessed on this stage. It began in the region of Phrygia in Asia Minor around the mid-50s A.D. in a place called Lycus Valley. There was a river that would run through the community, and uh, there were some neighboring towns. Laodicea, ever heard of that one? Was a little bit to the west. Uh, Hierapolis was a little bit to the north. A great town called Ephesus was about 100 miles westward. And there were many other prominent towns and communities nearby. But the story that you just witnessed on this stage is a very real story. It's the story of the church at Colossae, located in the Lycus Valley, in what we would know today as in modern-day Turkey. The title of my message uh, today is a long one, but I think after the drama is is an appropriate one. It's entitled, Two Mentors... Two young pastors, one benefactor, one slave, and a church filled with promise and pitfalls, an introduction to Colossians. I want to go through the characters today. I want to develop for you what we're going to read about and learn about as we go through this epistle. Today is not a great day of study as much as it is a day of orientation, of Colossians 101, 
where we get a grasp of who's who and where is this and when is this and what's happening. So I want to walk you through some of the characters that you saw in this mockumentary here this morning. First, I want to talk about Pastor Ellis. Pastor Ellis, stand up one last time. Let's give a hand to Will. Thank you, Will. Pastor Ellis was, in real life, a man by the name of Epaphras, who was the co-founding pastor of the church in Colossae. Epaphras is mentioned three times in the New Testament. He's mentioned in Colossians 1. He's mentioned again in Colossians 4. And in another book called Philemon, which we'll speak about here in just a few moments. But Epaphras was undoubtedly, as you read some of the scriptures that I provided there on your own at home, he was undoubtedly one of the co-founding ministers, pastors, evangelists, you might say, of the church at Colossae. Paul describes him as a dear servant, a faithful minister, a bondservant of Christ. And he says in verse 13 of chapter 4 that Epaphras had great zeal, great passion for his people in the Lycus Valley. There was another man involved in our dramatization, and that was Pastor Archie. Pastor Archie, wave your hand. Thank you, Tom. Great job, Tom. Pastor Archie was a man, a real-life man by the name of Archippus in the book of Colossians and also Philemon. Archippus was also very likely a co-founding pastor of the church in Colossae. And we've listed there a couple of references for you to consider as you begin to acquaint yourself with this book. Besides Ellis and Archie, the, the, the co-pastors, uh, there were also some very unique characters in the church of Colossae. There was Mr. Phillips. Mr. Phillips, stand up. Thank you, Mr. Phillips. Ty. Mr. Phillips was a man by the name of Philemon. Philemon. Philemon is not mentioned in the book of Colossians, but he is mentioned and is, in fact, the namesake of the book of Philemon in the New Testament, or the letter to Philemon. Philemon was very likely Archippus' father and the church's benefactor and host. Back in that day, the churches, they did not meet in uh, buildings like this. Uh, the Christians rarely would have uh, such financial means to meet in a building quite like this one. So instead, Philemon would open up his home. And he would open up his home and bring in those who wanted to hear the gospel and the teaching of Jesus Christ. And he was uh, likely the father of Archippus, who was a co-founding pastor. And he was also the benefactor and host of the church at Colossae. But he was also one other thing. Mr. Phillips, or Philemon, was the master of a runaway slave named Onesimus. And I've listed there some verses for you to look up on your own at home. You might be wondering, well, he's a Christian. He's a... You know, kind of a prominent man, but he's a slave owner. How does that? How do we reconcile that? Well, it's it's hard to reconcile, um, but I will say this: 
in the first century, slavery was very much, uh, the mindset of slavery was very much the way it was in early uh, colonial America. It was very, very common. Um, it was very, very uh, well understood that men of wealth, men of money, men of renown, would have slaves. They would have household slaves, uh, sometimes those who would work out in the fields. Uh, we don't know, uh, it was dramatization to suggest that Mr. Phillips had a factory, although I will say that the, the, the city of Colossae was known for its clothing. It was known for its wool, in fact. And uh, folks from all over the region would come to the city of Colossae for its clothing, its wool. And so it could be that uh, Philemon was a man who oversaw a measure of the wool industry in that city. And he would have slaves. And one such slave was a man named Onesimus, who we entitled in, uh, in this dramatization as Owen. Owen, would you please stand up? Thank you, Owen. Great job. I think, uh, I think you might uh, get the nomination uh, for best actor. So thank you, Owen. At least fastest actor. Owen, or Onesimus, was a runaway slave. And he is mentioned in both Colossians and Philemon. And, and I didn't mention it, but I should say clearly that Philemon, okay, as the host and benefactor of the church in Colossae, so we, we look at these two letters, the letter to the church in Colossae and the letter to Philemon. They're both going to the same city. They're both going to the same house, church, in reality. So when you read Colossians, you should read Philemon with it. And Ephesians not too far behind. Colossians and Philemon go hand in hand. Onesimus, he was a runaway slave of Philemon, Likely, excuse me, he likely ran away in the early stages of Philemon's coming to faith in Christ. Philemon became a believer, and later on, a few years later, Onesimus ran away. But on his journey, as Onesimus ran across Asia Minor, he ran into a very, very important individual. He ran into the Apostle Paul, who in this dramatization is Dr. Paulson. Dr. Paulson, would you please stand up? Thank you, Dr. Paulson. Dr. Paulson was, uh, of course, a very prominent figure in what's happening in Colossae. Dr. Paulson represents the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul plays an unbelievably strategic role in this story. He's the author of the letter to Colossae. He's also the author of the letter to Philemon. And so Paul was the teacher. He was the professor. He was the one who taught and encouraged other pastors to go all throughout Asia Minor and spread the gospel. How do we know that Paul met Epaphras and Archippus and all these folks that would go on to become founding pastors of churches? Well, in some cases, we have to piecemeal it together in the scriptures. We do know this. Paul was in a prominent town a hundred miles 
west of Colossae in the early to mid-50s. He was in the town of Ephesus, Acts chapter 19. He was there almost three years. And it was during that time that Paul was in Ephesus for nearly three years. He was teaching and training and sending pastors and evangelists all throughout the world. It was during that time that it is very likely that Epaphras and perhaps also Archippus, the co-founders of the church in Colossae, it's during that time in the early to mid-50s that they would have gone to Ephesus, gone to college, and learned of the scriptures, converted to Christianity, and learned of the scriptures, and brought back glorious news of the gospel to the city of Colossae. And so by the mid-50s, they returned with this great news from Paul. And they came to the city, and they began to witness, and they began to share, and they began to tell of all that God had done for them, the Gentiles, not even Jews, but Gentiles, those who did not have the Old Testament, but had yet been offered the free gift of salvation by faith in Jesus. It was in the mid-50s that the Colossian church began. Lycus Valley Community Church, we might say. And then, in time, there grew some trouble. We'll speak about that shortly in Acts 28, but I want to move on. There was another man, Chaplain Tyler. Chaplain Tyler, please raise your hand. Thank you, Chaplain Tyler. Chaplain Tyler was Tychicus. Tychicus was a trusted leader, a trusted teacher, and servant of the church under Paul. There are numerous instances. I've only listed three. There are about five instances of Tychicus in the New Testament. Say Tychicus five times fast. It's not easy. Um, but Tychicus was a, a very important man in Paul's ministry. He would often be uh, given special duties to go where Paul wanted him to and preach the gospel. Tychicus was often one of Paul's chief emissaries, going to new regions and explaining to them the gospel, appointing elders, raising up leaders. <coughs> and most importantly, in our story, Tychicus was the defender of Onesimus. Because when Onesimus was running away, and he met with Paul and Tychicus, they not only converted the slave, but they told him to go back. Go back home. Take this letter, Philemon, with you. Take Philemon with you, the letter to Philemon. Give it to Philemon, but don't go alone. If you go alone, who knows what Philemon might do. He was a hot-tempered man. And so instead, they also asked Tychicus to come with Onesimus. And together, they walked into Colossae, around the time of 61 A.D. So the church had now been five or six years old. Onesimus had likely been gone a year or two. And they together confronted Philemon again. And we don't know, actually, what happened between the two of them. But there's good evidence to suggest that there was reconciliation. And finally, there was what is known as the inner crowd. The inner crowd. Inner crowd, please uh, stand on up and be recognized. Thank you, inner crowd. Great job. 
You're the cool kids. The inner crowd. Who are they? This is a tough one to jot down on your outline. They are first century ascetic Jewish mystics. Tough words there. Ascetic Jewish mystics. You can read about them in Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 to 23. These were some very, very unique people. They were likely a group within Colossae that were both within and outside of the church. Let me say that again. They were both within and outside of the church. And they were a group that was bringing in uh, disparate teaching. They were, bringing, they were dragging in some of the old Jewish ways. They were dragging in some of the Gentile ways. They were dragging in some mysticism. We call it a very uh, syncretistic kind of approach. Paul calls it the philosophy. We'll learn more about what this group was doing and why they were so secretive and why Epaphras and Archippus were so concerned about this group. So much so that they, as they came back, they had gone to college, they had learned from Paul, they had rejoiced for what they had learned, they had gone to Colossae, they had planted the church in about 55 A.D. The church was growing. By about 59, 60 A.D., five years in, Archippus and Epaphras were concerned because of this inner crowd, these ascetic Jewish mystics, who some of whom claimed to know Christ, others of whom did not. And they were so concerned, these co-founding pastors were, that they designated Epaphras to go back. Go back to Paul. Well, by the time Epaphras went back to say, Paul, we've got this group over here. We don't know what to do with them. We're new pastors. Paul was gone. He had left Ephesus. He had actually been imprisoned. He was imprisoned all the way in Rome. And Epaphras went from Ephesus, heard where Paul was, and decided to go to Rome. Whether he met Onesimus on the journey or not is a matter of dramatization. One thing is clear. By the time he got to Rome to visit with Paul, who was under house arrest in about 60, 61 A.D., Epaphras was there, and Onesimus was there, Tychicus was there, and Paul was under house arrest. And together, the men prayed, they sought the Lord, they inquired, what should we do? Onesimus was asking Paul, should I go back? How can I confront Philemon? Epaphras was asking Paul, what should I do? These Jewish mystics, I don't know how to handle them. They have such a secretive group. They're grabbing hold of the church. They're pulling people away. And Paul sat down in about 61 AD, five, six years into the church's founding. And he penned two letters. One to Philemon to give to Onesimus to ask Philemon to reconcile. To show grace. And then he wrote another letter and he gave it to Epaphras. And Epaphras was about to leave, but he wanted to remain with Paul. For whatever reason, we don't know. Maybe he wanted a little bit more training, a little bit more understanding. And so Epaphras took the letter and handed it to Tychicus. And Tychicus and Onesimus together journeyed all the way back to Colossae, bringing the letters of Philemon and the letter to the church at Colossae. 
Two letters tied together. Some of the most important documents in all the New Testament. And we're going to be spending about three months in them. Sound good? Two mentors, two young pastors, one benefactor, one slave, and a church filled with promise and pitfalls. This is an introduction to Colossians. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for uh, your word, for the richness of your word. My goodness, Lord, sometimes we, we fail to see that there's so much history behind every single one of these documents. And we thank you, God, for helping us to see that this morning. Um, we always want to read your word afresh. And so, Lord, thank you for this time of, of both modernizing the story, but also taking it back to its roots. We look forward now, God, to reading Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. We look forward to reading his encouragement to them, his warnings to them, his practical instruction. God, would you guide this study? Would you help us to have eyes to see precisely how we can learn from this letter? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.